And the reason why we formed was we felt that in order to live our gay lives and lesbian lives, that uh, there was the culture was being like sacrificed. That was Jesus Barragan. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Well, here we are, the 49th episode of season three of this podcast. And what a year it's been. When we kicked off season three, most of us had never heard of coronavirus. We didn't know George Floyd or Breonna Taylor's names. You know who was still somehow our so-called president. Today, we mourn for all the black and brown lives lost senselessly to police murder and systemic racism. We mourn also for the more than 400,000 lives lost in our country to COVID-19. But to set up this episode, I want to talk briefly about honor. Michelle and I feel unspeakably honored to have this platform, to have been able to continue introducing you to some of the best and brightest this city still has to offer. We feel incredibly honored to know these two men, Randy Burns and Jesus Baragan. And lastly, we're hella honored that they both agreed to come on the show and share the stories of the POC gay rights movements they were part of in the 1970s and 80s. I could go on, but best leave it to these friends to tell their own stories. Here are Randy and Jesus. I'm Randy Burns, Northern Paiute from the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe out of uh, Reno, Nevada. I came here um, to continue my education to attend San Francisco State, was accepted back in 1975 fall. And when I, um, I became a student leader, student activist, uh, you know, community organizer before I left SF State. And so when I moved here back in 74, summer of 74, and I started school in the fall, the American Indian Center was a a hot spot of queer Native people. So all the other groups, mainly in the Castro, were organizing, and someone, after we all got to know each each other socially, we said, why don't we start our own club? Randy, and, was there was anything not, was there anything like that in the country to your knowledge at the time? No. Okay. No, no. Yeah. It was kind of what we were doing back then is now looked at as groundbreaking. We didn't even look down the road where we're at forty five years later. Last year was forty fifth anniversary of Game American Indians. And it was mainly when we came together to socialize, of course, and to network. We also, uh, we we didn't have homeless gay Indian people that were new in town. Many of our members put up people in their homes, their apartments, until they got on their feet. So we pretty much kind of hang together. There were like 5 and then 10, 30, 40, 50, 100, 150 local students and so how did you get the uh the word out how did you get those new members uh we did it uh for we we had a flyer made and we were gifted with our own artists graphic artists and we 
and our co-founder, late Barbara Cameron, Lakota Sue, sister, was an artist, as well as a photographer. But many of the um, flyers we did, we posted in, not in the Castro, because there's a lot of racism going on there. Mm-hmm. But we posted in Tenderloin bars, where many of our members catered to the bars, because we were treated well. And so we posted, we posted in street corner, um, street um, posts, you know, tape, yeah. taping it, all the nonprofit organization, native uh, programs uh, accepted our flyers. So it was right in the lobby. So we Would had you a say number on it. mostly in the Castro and the Tenderloin or some other places? No, as well. Tenderloin. Mostly Out Tenderloin. The market. And as we all know, um, almost to this point, almost all of those bars are gone. Do you want to just drop a couple names of some of the bars that you're talking about that aren't with us anymore, well, obviously? But. Well, there's Aunt Charlie that still exists. At the time, it was called Queen Mary's. The Rams Head, which really catered to our membership, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with their cocktail hours. There was Peter Pan. They're all in the Tenderloin, including the Landmark and then Polk Street area that catered uh, mainly to, you know, um, the dancers because they had Busby's was one dance, disco bar at the time, dance bar. Mm-hmm. And so we did a lot of, um, you know, it was the word of mouth, the old moccasin hotline. Oh. You know, you know, get out the word. Mm-hmm. As employees, many of our members were employees of the Indian programs, mm-hmm. and uh, many of our members received their mail there at the Indian Center. So it was just constant uh, word of mouth sharing. Esta noche, Fifteenth mm-hmm. Street mm-hmm. time was going, and uh, so we catered to that bar, and then um, back then there were a few public drag queens. Mm-hmm. But within our membership, we had entertainment from three of our members. They were kind of like uh, Lady Gaga's back then. <laughs> and and so we did a lot of fundraising yeah. in our apartment, Barbara's apartment, my apartment. And, um, if you know, when we had meetings, we passed a hat to raise money for our stamps in our, mm-hmm. in our envelope. Our printing was donated. We had oh. a member who was a printer at his business. He printed hundreds, hundreds, thousands of thousands of flyers for us. And to get out the word and to do outreach back then was the pride festivities uh, every year in June. We, we went out and we put up teepees as an outreach, you know, something visible mm-hmm. um, to, to, to do membership for the people that were new in town for the pride weekend celebration. Back then, there was a lot of partying going on. Those were the good old days. But now it's family friendly. And so corporate. we did mainly the in corporate, in corporate sponsored for the yeah. most part now. And so, also, you know, so it was around networking and social organizing that took place. And then in the 80s, we became more serious about what we were doing. We worked on articles and our bylaws and and started taking minutes. The Robert Rules and Order came into play. It was accountability 
uh, bookkeeper we had, and we um, got a major grant um, back in the 80s to publish Living the Spirit, and that became a Bible to many queer Indian people around America, both rural and including the urban native communities, queer queer communities, including prisoners, mm. prisons. So that book was like the Bible to many people that were isolated. So that was a good tool. Yeah. Keepies, Pride, Publishing, Living the Spirit in 1988, and on and on and on. So were y'all, yeah. Randy? Were y'all working uh, with? Uh, San Francisco city officials or, you know, from any other places like that? Or was it only social types of, like social awareness things, would you say? Well, we were, um, when I had, uh, for 20 years, I was a precinct worker. Mm -hmm. And from get-go, we made sure our membership were registered voters. And so all Democrats. And so we did a big push for getting our membership you know, to uh, register to vote, especially the newcomers. And so that kind of led us into and mixing with the politicians at City Hall and uh, around the Friendship House that exists today, nonprofit. Um, they always needed, every year their funding came up before the board. They would call upon us and we would rally our membership for those who were not able to, uh, that were, were not working, would go to City Hall, march from the Mission District all the way to City Hall behind a, our drumming, our drum. Yeah. And so we went before the Board of Supervisors. So we really kind of, over the years, became part of the city government. Forget Castro. We yeah. knew there was racism there, so we didn't go there. Mm. And that include uh, we didn't know Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk never came to any of our publicized Gay American Indian benefits or community townhouse meetings, never. Mm -hmm. He was more into organizing the Castro, so we, we didn't go there. Did you have any other allies on the board? No, oh, back then we had... Uh, Queen, what's his name? Tom Amiano came oh, yeah. around. Carol, mm -hmm. Carol Micken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back then, she, they all moved to uh, Sacramento. You know. Yeah. And uh, what you call it? Um, I Harry, think Harry Britt. Harry Britt always pro GAI. He came to many of our benefits at yeah. the end. Yeah. And so, um, you know, of course, you know, Diane Feinstein appointed him, I believe. And so then, then, of course, you get the mayor's staff that were always pro-queer friendly, native okay. friendly. Mm -hmm. So it, that, that's our connection. And it always stand, it stands today. Oh, nice. And thank, thank you, Miss uh, Missy, for working for our supervisor from the Mission District, Miss Rowan. So oh, yeah. that, that's pretty much the story in a nutshell. I think her name might come up uh, a little bit a little bit later from our from our other guests today. Um, thank you, Randy. Uh, so, uh -huh. so so thank you for that. Now, Jesus, I want to hear a little bit about um, about your early organizing, and you'll have to remind me the name of your group. I apologize. Uh, okay, the name of the group came to be known as Gala, mm -hmm. the Gay Latino Alliance which later then we added uh, Latina. So it was the Gay Latino 
Latina Alliance, known okay. as Gala. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we formed was we felt that in order to live our gay lives and lesbian lives, that uh, there was the culture was being like sacrificed. Hmm. Because uh, when you stop and think about it, the only places to go back then was uh, a park, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you could meet someone, or the bar. Mm -hmm. And the bar was all uh, the music in English, the disco, whatever. So that's what you fell into. And uh, it was like another layer of assimilation. Is that fair to say? Well, not only in U.S. culture, but in straight U.S. culture. Well, it was. Uh, see, that's the thing. Uh, because of racism, uh, uh, most of us uh, only partially assimilated. You know, the color of us, of our skins didn't allow us to really assimilate because of that, and. Uh, so we felt, you know, that we needed to organize to preserve the culture and to live our lives as uh, lesbian and gay Latinos. Okay. And that was focused on San Francisco only or? Well, it was, well, we ended up being Northern California's first such group. Got it. There was already groups back in New York, uh, in LA and probably uh, some other places. Mm -hmm. uh, we officially formed in October 1975, okay. and and we did it. Uh, we came. We we had a joint meeting. Uh, I, I was living in San Jose at the time, and I had been trying to organize people down there, but they weren't interested. All they wanted was a float in the parade, and that's it. They didn't want to address any of the other issues going on. And uh, there was a guy who used to come to San Francisco and uh, every now and then, and he would always read like the, uh, the BAR. And back mm. then the big paper was the Sentinel. Yeah. And there was others. And he saw, he saw an ad in the Sentinel that said, gay Chicanos, let's get together. And uh, the person that put that turned out to be Rodrigo Reyes. Mm. And, um, so anyway, he, he and Rodrigo got together for coffee and uh, the guy tells him, there's a guy in San Jose that I think you ought to meet because you're both saying the same thing. Hmm. That, that guy in San Jose was me. Yes, he was. <laughs> so Rodrigo came down and we met and we talked and we decided to go for it. Let's okay. organize. So what we did, we got a flyer and it was, uh, you know, leafleted, uh, 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 back then, the the uh, there was Latinos that went into the Castro. Mm -hmm. There was Latinos that went into the Polk mm -hmm. area. Uh, some went to the Tenderloin, wherever we thought Latinos would gather, and then in San Jose too. So we had a first meeting at the Sur Center in uh, in October. It was I can't remember the day. And that's when we took a vote and discussed it, talked about it, and decided to organize and form committees, Roberts Rules of Orders, uh, all of that stuff. 
Now, um, as it turned out, Gala was a self-supporting organization. We never, ever uh, uh, put in for uh, uh, like uh, government grants or anything. So we were totally independent, totally. And the way we funded ourselves, we started like, uh, you know, like Randy said, on a volunteer basis. Uh, we always operated out of uh, our homes. Uh, there was no, there was no central office or nothing. We we formed these committees, and uh, we also decided that the group would, would not have a president, but rather would be governed by the chairs of these various committees, called, called the coordinating committee, okay. and it was open to anyone that wanted to attend. Mm, so and leadership that, leadership was voluntary as well. Sounds like and group. Well, a group. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you wanna uh, you wanna see this organization grow, volunteer. Mm -hmm. Get to work. And it sounds like uh, for both of you, your groups were do it yourself before that was even a phrase, right? Uh, sounds like you just well, did it yourself. Well, yeah. You know, uh, history has uh, has shown us that even in the gay community. Uh, uh, you want it done a certain way, you do it yourself. Straights right. are, straights are, straights are not going to do it for us. Right. Or, well, you know, I use the word straights, but I, I really prefer heteros because when I call them straight, that implies I'm crooked. And yeah. I'm... <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> oh, and, and, and before I, I can think, um, as far as Randy is concerned, yeah, we would bump into each other and everything. But usually by that time, we were both drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does bring me to the next thing I want to talk about. And this, I kind of, I just want to throw it out to both of you and I'll step back unless I have more questions. But yeah, I want to hear how you guys met and, and not only you as individuals, but any sort of work that, uh, that your groups did together or, or anything like that, you know, pride maybe, or you know, where you inv were involved in, in uh, other events or, or big things that were bigger than yourselves. So I'll just throw that out to both of you guys. Okay, well, you know, uh, hey, Randy, Randy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, we, did we ever go to bed with each other? I don't uh, think so, huh? Uh -huh. We're, we're, we're both respectable. Well, you know, back then, you know, we had no choice but to date white people, white men. And um, and uh, I went to Estonia, many of our members, after our events or meetings. We always ended up at Estonia. And that's where I met you, like you mm -hmm. say, watching the entertainment, but mainly dance to the music. And then the drag queens came later, like Teresita. Remember Teresita? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I, yeah, that's her big fan. Yeah, you know, in fact, uh, one of the uh, one of the times I remember was uh, uh, what's his name? Those two guys, uh, Paul and I forgot what his Ron, name. They had a house Ron, out there. Ron, 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 Ron and Paul. And Paul yeah, and, yeah, and and you were all drunk, and Teresita was singing, and you wouldn't leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one oh, of the things, yes. you know, it was so crazy up there. Uh, it was in Daly City, and that was a party house for our members. After the bars closed, and then they moved to 24th by General Hospital. Remember that place? Yeah. And uh, we used to buy cases and cases and cases of beer 
like if, if we really need it. And Teresita used to come, and Ron was a workaholic, and Paul was a party boy. Yeah. And God bless their souls. Teresita's gone. God bless her soul. But my sister uh, Paul was working is gone for too. part. Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul's gone too. God bless his little heart. And uh, his partner, Ron, always went, you bitches go to bed. I'm trying to get some sleep. And so my sister and I, she was working for BART. We always made sure we had dollar bills, whoever was remember her performing. And she mm-hmm. gets going, she gets going. And he said, quiet down back over there. I'm trying to get some sleep. I have to go to work at 430. They said, and then I'd be quiet. And then oh. when he goes, he could, we think he's going to bed. We she starts singing again, and here comes the dollar bills, dollar bills, tipping Miss Teresita, yeah. and putting her between her big uh, boo boos, and um and so, yeah, I uh, those were the days. No, Randy. No, I was going to say I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Like we keep saying, those were the days. But see, when you look at the gay movement, you can see its evolution. See, back in those days, uh, like you said, uh, we we practically had no choice but to, you know, uh, other uh, uh, gay men, white men, you know, in this case, because when we ran into, let's say, one of our own, we were, we were like so glad to, to meet him that uh, the 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 thing would re- really move to the association would really uh, move towards uh, towards the fr- establishing of friends. Uh, there was no there was very little sexual attraction, and and see back in those days we camped it up we carried on because uh, uh, to be gay or lesbian was seen by society as a certain way. So we were, we were in a sense going ha 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 in your face by, you know, uh, doing whatever we did. And, you know, and you can see it evolve. Like who would have ever thought that one day we would have marriage equality? You know, if you had told me that in 1970, whatever, I would have laughed at you. 1980, (laughs) I would have thought you were crazy, but here it is. So the point is that to me, gay life is nowadays, it's a very, very boring thing because see, we never, we never realized that with acceptance, progress, it would just be another, an, another facet uh, in, in, uh, in uh, uh, society here. I mean, all the camp is gone, all the fun is gone. It's, to me, it's very boring. I find gay men very boring. Of, of the new breed, because you know, for them, they they take so much for granted that they think this this is how it's always been, and it hasn't. Yeah, I believe what you said about you know um, intermixing, uh, racially speaking, uh-huh. and that it was you know we didn't even think about having sex with our brother or sister. But down the road, because there were so many of us, then I and saw. And you started munching, where didn't you? We started munching. We got to know each other beyond our meetings and beyond our fundraising. And like you said, uh, Asus, we were independent. We didn't get state, city, federal funding. 
Yeah. And so it was all about fundraising, fundraising. And we were always about recruiting. You got to join. You got to join. Because like you said, Jesus, no one's going to do it for us. In That's our right. We have to do it native, In our native community, there was a lot of homophobia. And we knew yes. it. Oh, yes. But that's the whole thing. Back then, we had community board elections for our nonprofit organizations. Yeah. When we got tight and organized, we would get our membership to go and vote for queer candidates to serve on these nonprofit boards. And we're kicking butt. Yeah. That's community-based organizing. Yeah. But then years later, because of our membership, people got to know each other, not only personally, but socially as well as sexually. And and even today, you see Indian men with Indian men, lesbian, Native mm -hmm. women with yeah. lesbian sisters. So things have really changed and things that I agree with you, that when you go to the Pride Parade is family free, uh, friendly, mm -hmm. ditto, perfect. But I miss those good old days of, of partying, buying a case of beer, walking into the Civic Center, and everyone sharing beer and having a damn good time, and then going up Polk Street and go dancing at Busby's. If you lived up in the Hague, go to uh, whatever that bar was, the disco bar up there in the Hague. Yeah. And um, back then, the platforms were in. You ever wear platforms, Jesus? You mean the shoes? Big, the shoes, the platforms. Oh, no, no. I, no, I've never even tried to be a lady. <laughs> well, I I never did. I it's never dyed my, my hair. It's against my religion. <laughs> <laughs> That was Randy Burns and Jesus Barragan. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Jesus and Randy conclude season three with the rest of their stories and thoughts on the rights that LGBTQAI folks have today. We hope that you'll join us for part two this Thursday. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 140 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all at our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please check out our store, where in the month of December, we're donating proceeds of all sales to Supply Hope Info, a new nonprofit helping students with distance learning. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can like, comment, and share the stuff we put out. Find our shows just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts, including most recently BFF.FM's new podcast network. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. We love feedback, so if you have any, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, wear a mask, and stay healthy. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.